Good day, everyone. Welcome back, my friends, to another episode of Be Our Guest here on Musical Theatre Radio. I am your host, Jean-Paul Jovanoff, once again, and we have on the line three fantastic people. At least I'm going to assume they're fantastic people, from what I can tell so far from talking off the air. They are. So I'm going to be going down in October to New York, and I'm going to see... uh, this show called The Green Room, and it's going up off-Broadway. And with me right now, I have the three creators of that show. We have Stephen Foster, we have Rod Namer, and we have Charles Peltier. Thank you to the three of you for coming on today. Very happy Thank to be here. having us. Thanks for having us. All right, this is going to be a bit of a, a, a car crash sometimes because there's four of us. I've never had four of us on at once doing this. So I'm going to ask, uh, but I'm looking forward to it, let me tell you. Uh, I'm going to ask each of you to um, say who you are because the audience obviously can't see you, and uh, just a 30-second bio about yourselves. So who wants to start? I will start. Well, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll start. So um, my name is... Charles Peltier, uh, Chuck, uh, for those who know me. And uh, I wrote the music and the lyrics to The Green Room. Uh, I've uh, written several other musicals and a a lot of songs. Uh, I'm a singer-songwriter from back in the day and uh, consider myself more of a singer-songwriter, really, than a lyricist or a composer. Um, And uh, I uh, have... um, done a a lot of uh, script writing as well. Um, I currently work for Princess Cruises. I'm the uh, musical director for the entire fleet of cruises for Princess Cruises. Wow. And uh, I grew up with a, um, in a musical family. My dad was a piano player. Um, My, uh, one of, one of my um, relatives is Wilfried Pelletier, who, who uh, the uh, Pelletier, um, La Salle Pelletier, the uh, opera house in Montreal is named after. Oh. So, uh, yeah, he was a conductor of the Metropolitan Opera and uh, started uh, 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 the, um, uh, uh, the main university for music in Montreal. Anyway, so I have a lot of music in the family, and uh, I um, uh, sort of uh, have, have came upon the green room through, through um, uh, Rod, who um, is my dearest friend from high school. Uh, and, uh, of course, Stephen and Rod wrote the book of the green room and I'll pass it off to them. Perfect. Yeah. And we'll, we're going to learn a little bit later about how the three of you got met and got together. Um, thanks. Do you want Charles or Chuck? Uh, Chuck is great. Chuck. All right. Perfect. All right. Who wants to go next? Uh, Rob or Rod or Stephen? Well, my name is Stephen. I'll go next. There we my go. Name is, my name is Stephen Foster, and I'm the book writer of The Green Room, and um, I'm Chuck's partner, and I am a writer and an actor, and I recently won four Best Actor Awards for the film that Chuck directed called That's Opportunity Knocking, and I've written a play called Legends and Bridge and many screenplays, um, so we're very excited to have the show off-Broadway and... Um, so that's a little about me. Perfect. Thank you, Stephen. And Rod, tell us about yourself. Yeah, I'm uh, Rod Damer. I grew up near Chicago, and that's where I met Chuck. We went to high school together. And after high school, I went to a small college called St. Olaf College. And uh, the place that really I, I liked and hung out with, uh, hung out in, was the green room. 
And then after uh, college, I wrote a, a, a short one act uh, called The Green Room. And then uh, Chuck saw it, wrote a song for it. And then uh, uh, Stephen and I uh, wrote the book and Chuck came up with a whole, a whole bunch of different kinds of songs, um, which, are, which are fantastic. And now it's taken a life of its own, and it's 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 Broadway bound. Well, off Broadway bound, but we're very very proud of it. So that is very cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to going to see it in uh, October. So uh, that's great to hear. Now I want to take it back. I want to delve into uh, for each of you just your first moment with musical theater when when you were when you were younger what what got you into musical theater in the first place when you were growing up let's start i guess we'll start with chuck again uh well i interesting because uh i uh started um in musical theater uh my freshman year of high school and that's exactly when i met rod actually uh, the middle of my freshman year of high school uh rod was already the he was a year ahead of me and he was already the lead in every play <laughs> in our high school. Um, so he was the guy that we all looked up to. Um, and uh, I, w you know, got into Once Upon a Mattress. Um, didn't know anything about, you know, you know how it is in, in, in uh, high school when you yeah. get into whatever you get into, you don't know anything about uh, dancing or, or, or singing or how musical works or the fact that there's a pit orchestra. So I was just thrown into this situation and told where to, where to walk. And, uh, I just fell in love with it. Um, uh, the next year we were, um, we did, uh, again, Rod and I were both in, uh, how to succeed in business without really trying. Um, how to succeed oh, in business. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> How does, how does, yeah, right. Uh, and, um, and then the next year we did My Fair Lady and he was uh, Henry Higgins and I was Doolittle. Uh, so so uh, we had a, a lot of uh, musical theater in our high school and that's really where I fell in love with it. Very cool. All right, well, let, let's, let's jump to Rod next. Since he mentioned you were in the high school and maybe you can tell us a little few little tidbits about Chuck <laughs> from doing shows with him. <laughs> We can keep that secret for now. It's up to you. But uh, what was your first experience with musical theater? Well, um, it was, uh, yeah, in, in high school. And then freshman year, I wasn't, I wasn't too, uh, I, I was not a singer. So I just worked crew. I just worked crew for Oklahoma freshman year. And then we had a, a choir director named Jerry Swanson. And he was kind of aggressive as far as recruiting guys. Mm -hmm. So he pulled me in. And then I was in the chorus in sophomore year and then had a part junior year and then had the lead senior year. So it was a, it was a nice progression. Um, as far as, as far as performing from Chuck, um, <laughs> he, he has a, he has a bold performer. And I remember, uh, uh, we had a, we had a group, we had a quartet of, uh, uh, male singers. I still remember him jumping on tables, jumping on tables. To, you know, <laughs> to liven up the performance and get the audience's attention. And it, by God, it, if nothing else, it got the other performer's attention. But, uh, <laughs> he's, a, he's a bold man. <laughs> Rebuttal, Chuck? Um, yeah, well, I, I, 
I, I, I always, we, uh, Rod's speaking of a, of a group called the Lyric Bachelors Limited that he and I and two other guys uh, were in during our college years. And uh, we would book our own concerts and, and go to sing for whoever would pay us more than $20. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, sometimes those, those groups were, uh, were, were, you know, seemed, seemed to me to be a little on the uh, complacent side. And I thought any, anything to, anything to liven up the day. Uh, so I would, uh, I would sometimes jump on tables. Rod didn't, didn't mention the fact sometimes I'd change the lyrics to songs just to keep the performers <laughs> on their toes. <laughs> but anything to keep the, the performance alive. Nice. And Stephen, what, what, how did you begin? What was your first uh, experiences with the theater? Well, I actually somehow by an accident um, stumbled into a, a stagecraft class in ninth grade and they happened to be doing the musical runaways by oh, yeah. the swatos and i my first job in theater was prompter and pr and so i would i was the one who sat in the i wasn't a stage manager but i was the one who when they would call line i would give them their line mm -hmm. and i absolutely loved that musical and it just opened up whole new avenues to me because the only musicals I had known were, was basically the musical Grease. And so when I actually went into the theater and said, wow, this is something that you can actually put together and I learned the nuts and bolts of it, it, be, it opened up a whole exciting world for me. And it just, theater became my passion and acting and writing. So way back then, I was writing and, and acting, and it sort of all happened by accident. Very cool. Well, that's great to hear um, uh, where you all began from. So, you know what? Let's, before we delve, dive into how the three of you um, got together and met and all that, let's listen to a song from The Green Room. Um, is there any particular one you'd like to choose from to get the, <laughs> get the audience going? Nothing could stop my boys. Nothing has stopped my boys. Any particular reason? <laughs> if you want to get people going, uh, <laughs> that, that's the one to do it. Oh, it, it. It's fun. It's a showstopper. I love it. Very cool. And, and to set it up, it's uh, sort of a, um, uh, it's a, it, it's a young kid who uh, just isn't sure. Uh, when I say kid, he's 18 years old, mm. but he isn't really sure of his sexuality and he has his kind of his first real girlfriend and his first experience with with a uh you know a a real relationship if yeah. you know what i mean yeah. uh and he gets the girl pregnant so uh he uh, I, probably because he's like unsure of his sexuality and he he is just so proud of himself that he sings a song about uh, how proud he is <laughs> that he got the girl pregnant and everybody else is saying proud why would you be proud you're supposed to be you're supposed to be uh, mortified and he said well i don't know i'm just proud of myself so that's the premise of the song awesome so let's uh delve right in to uh, this is nothing can stop my boys from the upcoming off broadway hit uh the green room here on be our guest on musical theater radio 
Good day, my friends, and welcome back to Be Our Guest here on Musical Theatre Radio. I am still your host, Jean-Paul Yovanoff, and we are talking with the creators of the soon-to-be off-Broadway hit, The Green Room. So welcome, Stephen, Rod, and Chuck. Thank you very much for coming on once again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Perfect. So we learned a little bit about your background, how you got into musical theater. Now the question is, how did these uh, parallel lines converge and all the three of you met? Uh, who, wants to, who wants to take it? Start. Steven. Oh, okay. Whoever. Well, I can start that. I guess I'm the, uh, the, the um, vortex of the, uh, <laughs> of the angle. Um, all right. There we go. <laughs> Because Rod, uh, Stephen, Stephen and I are partners, and Rod and I are best friends, as I said, since we were 14 years old, or I was 14, he was 15, Yeah. Um, which puts him one year older than me, by the way, just want to put that on <laughs> uh, So uh, we, um, uh, Rod and I have just, uh, as, as we mentioned earlier, we were in the, uh, every play in high school together, and then we formed a little group after high school, a little acapella men's group. Uh, and we've just always been involved in project projects together, right on through to, um, uh, we did professional theater together in Chicago. We did a show, show called Noises Off together. Nice. Uh, so Rod and I have just always been in theater together. Uh, Steven, when I first met Steven, he was starting a theater company. Um, and uh, so- Where, where was that? Was that in Chicago? Chicago? That was no, out this, here, that was out here in, 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 in Hollywood, uh, okay. Chuck and Rod had moved from Chicago to Hollywood. And I, with the group of friends, was forming a, the a small theater company. And I was actually working at um, Lambda Medical. Um, I was actually a file clerk. And, and on my spare time, I was putting together a theater company. And I met Chuck um, in the lobby. And he said, well, what do you do? And I said, well, I put together a theater company. And uh, we kind of hooked up. And uh, he, he actually played some of the songs for me. And we were looking for new material. And it was a one-act play at that point with, with five songs. And I thought, and it was only four characters. So I said, this would be easy to produce. Yeah. And so that's how we first produced this musical. It was a one-act with five songs and it went over so well that we we wanted to develop it further. So that's how we we all kind of converged with the green room. Okay. So when when it was first you said it was is uh, one act with with five songs. So who wrote the so, so Chuck you wrote the music and lyrics for the songs at the beginning. Rod was it you who wrote the the book for the the first part? Uh way way back when uh before. I think that's off off Hollywood Theater Company, right, Steve? Yes. 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 Yeah. So, yeah, way before that, yes. But then uh, uh, in the Off Hollywood uh, incarnation of it, I think we both, uh, Stephen and I, worked on that. Okay. Yes, yeah, Stephen had written, Stephen written a couple uh, really funny plays, one called Legends and Bridge. <clears throat> and um, so Rod and I thought uh, it would be good to have him in, involved uh, when we took it from a one act to a, to a two act play. And so the three of us just sat down and, and hashed out uh, how this thing would become a two-act play. Nice. Um, the, original, the original one act that Rod wrote and then the one-act musical both all took place 
as a collegiate all-nighter. That was Rod's concept of, of the one I play. It was that it would all take place on the last collegiate all-nighter that these four, sing, uh, these four theater majors spent in the green room, which was their lounge and their hangout and also the green room of the theater. Uh, and so the, the, as a one act, it was just that. It was the last night that they were all gonna spend together. So when, we, um, when the three of us sat down and, and thought, how do we make this a two act? Um, we decided that the first act would be four different scenes, which would be four different times uh, throughout the four years that they spend together. And then the entire second act would be that same night, the uh, all-nighter. Oh, nice. So when, I'm going to take it back a little bit even. Uh, so when, uh, Rod, when you wrote your, the, the one act and then songs were added by Chuck, how was it to work together? Because you guys were friends before you'd written and worked on this. Was it an easy process or did you find it difficult because you were friends? There was some headbutting or did you guys just mesh because of your, your knowledge of each other? But we kind of worked separately. I kind of wrote the thing without any music in mind. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, Chuck being a good friend, you know, said, well, let me see it. <laughs> so he kind of have to read it. And then, uh, you know, on his own, he came up with uh, uh, Destination, Stage Destination Stage Left. And he played That's it right. for me. And I'm like, this is fantastic. <laughs> you know, where did, this, where did this come from? And, and, uh, uh, I, I mean, how can, I can't, I, I don't want to, I, I don't want to limit him because he's great at writing, uh, lyrics and songs. I mean, well, I, I'm not going to add anything to that. So, yeah. <laughs> you know. so, so adding, yeah, adding I, and I would, I would add to that. I'm, I'm very lucky to have both Steven and Rod because, in my entire life, they're the two people who really love my songs that I write. <laughs> and um, I wish good, I could say that there were 14 million, but there's really two yeah. <laughs> that, that, that really love everything I do. Um, so yeah, it's really easy to work with, with, it was really easy to work with Rod, and it's really easy when the three of us sat down, for me, <laughs> because uh, I, would, I would come up with this song and they're like, they would, they would recognize that it that it's really good i try to write songs that go into musicals um hook line and sinker like they used to in the old musicals my fair lady and yeah. oklahoma um and not try to do this sort of new thing where they try to you know have somebody walk across a turntable and sing a, uh, a line that moves the plot forward mm -hmm. i just think that that's kind of um I, I i like the old school where you can walk out of the uh, uh, theater intermission and hum a couple of the songs that you sang. Nice. So anyway, in, 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 in response to your question, it was really easy to work with both Stephen and Rod because they like my stuff and yeah. feel like changing it. So it was, it was basically, for you, Rod, love at first listen to the song. So it was easy to, <laughs> <laughs> easy to integrate it and, and had no problem adding songs. And yeah, and, I, and uh, nothing can stop my boys. And I was, I think that was first. Is that right, Chuck? Anyway, uh, uh, I was like, that's a showstopper. And then, like, later on, it was, uh, uh, it's, all, it's, all it's all about me. me. And I'm like, this is, again, this is a legitimate <laughs> show, showstopper, you know? Yeah. I, I, so, 
uh, happy as a pig and you know what. Sucking <laughs> nice. his song. So. Perfect. So so you've got you two together now with, with the, the book and music. And then so Stephen, you, you came on board with this as well. Did you find it was a little bit difficult um, to enter into this because when you've got two people who are close like that, you know, they know how to work together. Um, was it difficult or were you, you and Chuck already together? So it was a little bit easier or uh, how did that work for you? Stephen? Well, it was, it was really easy because, you know, we, we all have our strengths of, of what we, we could do. And, you know, Chuck knew, he knew instinctively where the songs would go so as we as we ironed out the characters and ironed out the plot and everything you know it was really a matter of like <laughs> figuring out the characters and um and absolutely pairing away a lot of stuff because we would write a lot of material mm -hmm. and jokes and stuff that would 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 fit but they weren't necessarily right all the time and we wanted this to have a, a a theater theme where you know they were rehearsing and you know so so it was just a matter of fine-tuning who the characters were what they wanted and making all that stuff match into the song so it, it was it was it was it was you know sometimes you know when you work with people it's very you know, it can get real ah, grouchy and stuff, contentious. Yes. Yeah. But, you know, we knew that the product was more important than any of our egos. Nice. And so we were able to just kind of focus on what needed to be done for the show as an entity. That's fantastic. When, it, when you find that, um, you know, people that you can work with, it makes such a difference. And yes. So I'm glad it worked out then. So you've got together, you've, you've put this show together, you've, you've worked through it, you've, you've uh, taken things out, you've put things in. What was the first time you saw it on stage? Where was that and how was that? I don't know. Go. <laughs> well, the first time, of course, we saw it, I'll answer that. Uh, the first time we saw it on stage was, of course, the the one act version of it in in my theater company, and we knew it was very very special because we had the songs. Um, it's all about me. Destination stage left. What do I think of me in the end and waiting in the wings? And people just really responded to the theme and to the characters. And then we started to develop it. And people kept saying to us, well, add more characters. That's the thing when you work on a project is everybody wants to give you their two cents <laughs> worth. Yeah. And, and you have to learn to sort of be blind and deaf to that stuff because you have to understand, you know, we wanted it to be four characters, their collegiate experience, not teachers. You know, everyone mm -hmm. wanted us to add a bunch of stuff and and stuff like that. So the second time we saw it was at the group repertory theater where my play legends and bridge was produced. And we, that's where we did the, the cast album. We did a workshop of it there. And then, you know, it, it was once again more successful, but it really wasn't the story and book wasn't right. And then we went to the Hermosa beach playhouse and then that was a 500 seat place. And we reworked the book and that's the, production we have now nice. so all 
of this stuff has we've refined it and we've worked it so it's been a great pleasure to see the show up and also for it to be it's been produced all over the country and ireland and canada so it's been wonderful to see all these incarnations take place it's it's just it's it's amazing to me to see different the different ways that this this musical has been produced it's even been produced at a bowling alley theater so <laughs> it's wow. it's always exciting for me to see any production done of this thing so so you know i guess assume you guys have seen uh product the uh, different productions out there the ones wherever it was did did you ever see it uh, when it went up, you went, wow, I didn't think of that or I didn't quite see it that way, but that was a brilliant way to do it. Was there any surprises in the positive way? I think there always are. I'm sorry. Some, Rod, did you want to take that? Or, uh, no, you, you and uh, Stephen have yeah. seen almost all of them, I would think. Mm. Yeah, yeah almost all of them. We did, there was one in Canada that we didn't, we didn't get to, Reject Productions in in um was thunder bay i think canada yep wow. thunder bay okay so we didn't get we didn't get to that one there's been there's been so many productions that we haven't seen all of them uh, sure. Stephen and i went all the way to ireland oh, nice. to see the first production that was in I waterford ireland then there was another production in ireland we didn't see that one you know there was more <laughs> that we did see so there's been many we have seen but many we haven't seen um and i would say it's there's always something that's really exciting. I, I, you know, right, Stephen? Yeah. There, I, I, what I love is to see uh, how people interpret the lines. Mm -hmm. Like the character of Cliff is, we wrote him kind of where his sexuality is kind of ambiguous. And there was a production done in Maryland where, uh, I'm sorry, no, not Maryland, Maine. Um, wrong, wrong, right letter, wrong state. Um, <laughs> where they actually made Cliff straight, hmm. very straight, and that I that was very surprising to me because they did not even hint of him having a, a homosexual side at all, and that was surprising to me because once again it worked, it yeah. worked just fine for the show. So that's one one thing that surprised me. There's so many interpretations out there, and, and it's so exciting to see somebody else uh, pick it up, roll with it, and and bring to life something that you might not have thought of. So, yeah, it's very cool that you've got to see all these productions as well. Well, it's written in our contract where they have to videotape it and send it to us. So oh, nice. that's, what, that's yeah. one of the perks about me, uh, <laughs> us, us owning the rights is in our contract. We say you have... You must videotape it, and we 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 get a, a a copy of it. So you know what? Let's let's listen to another song. Uh, I, I, you mentioned it earlier. I forget who mentioned it earlier, uh, but but destination stage left. Okay. Um, why don't we play that one? Uh, any you want to? Anybody want to set it up or give an idea from it or? Chuck, <laughs> uh, Rod. <laughs> <laughs> Or we you can just let to? it stand on its own. I will. No, I will. Um, so, uh, what? Okay. So again, when we when we did the one act version, this was the opening number. Okay. Right? So when it became a two act version, this became the act two opener, right? Because the mm -hmm. second the the second act was that last night of the collegiate all nighter. The green room. Uh, 
of this theater in in this small uh, Midwestern college um, is the room right next to the theater where obviously like any green room, people go in between acts of the uh, scenes of a, of a musical. But these four people have turned it into their study lounge. It's where they study. It's where they um, write papers. It's where they make out. It's where they... Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's just where they go where you know that they're done with class they go in there they see if the other ones are hanging out they just go there they talk they talk philosophy they do what you do in college uh, so this last all-nighter one of the things they have to do is Devon has a paper due for for the the next day this is like the the, the day before the last day of school right um, so she's trying to write a paper and the the two guys come in and they need uh, they need to study for their test, right? Because it's the last day before school. Mm -hmm. So she's like, you promised me you would help me with this paper. And they said, we can't. We have to study for this test, just like you would have in any, in any college. Yeah. This is all based on real life. <laughs> Rod and, and me lived all, all through this, through <laughs> high school and then college. But um, so when, when, when they finally say, look, this paper is easy, we will get you started on such an interesting concept that the paper will write itself and boom, the music starts and they in, in three <laughs> verses <laughs> give her the entire outline of the paper that she should write on theater history. And that's where we hit destination stage left. Perfect. So let's listen to uh, Destination Stage Left from the upcoming hit, uh, The Green Room. And then when we get back, we're going to talk about how Off-Broadway happened, how you guys were found, how it's been going, and how it's going up, and all that fun stuff to involve New York. All right, so you are listening to Be Our Guest here on Musical Theatre Radio, and this is Destination Stage Left from The Green Room. Welcome back, my friends, everybody, to be our guest here on Musical Theater Radio. We are speaking with the creators of The Green Room, Stephen, Ron, and Chuck. And we just listened to the song uh, Destination Stage Left. Is there anything you want to add about the song before we yeah. move I, I, Yeah. Uh, Chuck and I went to high school together, and our history teacher, Galen Barrier, would be so proud of Chuck that he slipped in Manifest Destiny uh, <laughs> into that song. So kudos to him and to and, and our old teacher. So I'm trying to remember. I've listened to the song. What did you rhyme with Manifest Destiny? Or was uh, that <laughs> uh, it wasn't really a rhyme line. Oh, okay. That would have been um, more impressive, I have to admit. Manifest Destiny and rhyming that. But. Oh, but the, the yeah. gauntlet has been thrown, Chuck. <laughs> Manifest Destiny. The musical. Manifest Destiny, the musical. There you the, go. The, play, well, the, play, the, the, the way we got to Manifest Destiny is that the song, Dest the, the hook line, Destination Stage Left, mm -hmm. um, it has the root word of destiny. So uh, okay. Manifest Destiny, Destination Stage Left. That's how it fits. There in. we go. Okay. Perfect. I... How many times can you use Manifest Destiny in general? So then you can slip into a musical. That's awesome. <laughs> well, right. after, after it becomes a hit, I believe it will be in the general vernacular. It <laughs> it's That's true. what we're aiming for at least, you know. Household term. So to become that hit, 
you have to get notice, right? And, and going all over Canada and the States and iron, but then you're getting it in New York. That's pretty much, you know, the, 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 the place you want to be either the West end or on in Broadway, off Broadway. So how did that happen? Um, yeah. Who wants to take that? How did this happen? I will take it because it happened um, because I was working on a project with um, Stephen Miller, who's the artistic director of Miller Coffin Productions. Mm -hmm. And that project, we were trying to get Legends and Bridge put up in New York, and he was involved with that. That didn't really manifest. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. And... and uh, I told him, I said, you know, I have this four-character musical called The Green Room. And I actually send him all the stuff, send him the script, send him the songs. Like, I send everybody. And by the way, we had had uh, two readings of this before in New York, and nothing really panned out. We live in Hollywood. So anytime people from Hollywood are pitching something to New York, people are like, yeah, right. Oh, God, please give me a break. But anyway. Stephen Miller loved the show, and he said, I want to produce this off-Broadway, and uh, he actually is the one who um, put it all together. He hired the director, Jessica Jennings, and the musical director, David Fletcher, and, you know, we, we, we are very excited to have this little musical produced because it's been around for a while and we knew it would be great in New York if anyone ever grabbed it. And so Stephen Miller is the one who grabbed it and really championed, championed it and is taking us to New York. How did you, how did you react when you first uh, heard, yeah, it's going to New York and we're going to go see it there? So excited. Uh, I, I, I mean, because we, like, like Stephen said, there were, there were, we, we did, uh, we did two readings of it, and uh, gosh, either one of those could have taken off. In one case, the the lady was with a production company, and she left the production company just mm -hmm. as it was, you know. So it's, uh, there's always these stories, uh, um, but we're so happy that it ended up um, not getting produced until now because I think this is the perfect place. Uh, yeah. It's the American Theater of Actors, um, the, the Sergeant Theater inside that uh, in, inside that complex, uh, and uh, it was another theater in that complex where where the uh, musical Urine Town started, uh, and there have been a lot of other musicals uh, and plays that uh, have sort of started off in that theater or other small theaters. It's exactly the kind of space that we wanted to be in. Um, a space where the audience can see the intimacy of the show and feel like they're in the green room. Yeah, it's the type of show that needs uh, an intimate setting from, from the feel of it. So that'll work out nicely. Um, when, so how involved have you been? I know you guys are on the West Coast. This is the East Coast of New York. How involved have you been able to be or, or you wanted to be? Well, we, well it, we did want to, because we had a couple of readings in New York that we weren't 100% pleased with, primarily mm -hmm in terms of, and I hope this is not bad-mouthing anybody, but in terms of casting. Mm -hmm. And we, it was really important for us to really know what they were doing in terms of casting. And so in our contract, we said that we, we would have, um, it would be a joint decision 
on the casting. That way, no one could hire their friend or anything mm -hmm. like that. It would be a complete level playing field when we saw who was being cast. So we, Chuck and I, flew out to New York to actually watch the callbacks, and uh, we actually all all picked the cast and signed off on the cast and we're very pleased with what we got. So, so in terms of, and, and you know, and we hired, you know, Stephen, not we, Stephen hired, Stephen Miller hired a great director, Jessica Jennings, who we totally trust. And we met with her and she has a great vision for the show. So, you know, we worked with her in terms of casting, but in terms of the physical nuts and bolts of the show, they're doing it, and we get to go out there and see it. And, you know, if they have any questions, I guess they'll call <laughs> us and let us know. Yeah, I had a great conversation with uh, Jessica and Stephen about a month ago. We did an interview with them on uh, Be Our Guest. And, uh, yeah, we talked about this, the, the casting process and, and uh, how many people came in and just the pure talent that uh you know stood in front of you and performed it must have been really difficult you probably saw so many actors that were possible for each of the characters what 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 drew you to the ones that uh, finally got cast oh gosh um uh there the the woman playing devon ariana valdez is uh just uh exactly what we always thought that character should be um uh, so, but, 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 but beyond that, um, all four of them have this, but, uh, but she has this voice that is just perfect for the role. Um, and it's, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful big voice that you could just listen to forever. Uh, but, but it's, um, but she's also just a great actress. Um, uh, Ryan Farnsworth, same thing, just the perfect voice and, and the perfect actor. And he actually is the the part you know he he uh um he just uh has that john has to be the guy that any girl would fall in love with and uh ryan was that um sammy statement uh, has to be the girl that 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 he would fall in love with and she is that you know uh and eli lacroix is just I, we'd already talked about nothing to stop my boys and 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 uh, Stephen mentioned that this is the guy that you know some people play this guy as straight some people play him as questioning um, and Eli is just the the perfect character for that uh, so beyond just beyond just the fact that they are all great actors they are also uh, at least in their essence we feel the character and they all have great voices <laughs> that helps <laughs> for sure. Are you going to be able to uh, get out there and uh, are you going to be there for some of the, um, the uh, rehearsals? Are you going to be there right at the beginning to greet everybody? Uh, how, how much time are you going to spend out there? Well, I think that I know we're going for the opening opening weekend. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't, I don't, we might go there a week before we might stay a little more after it just depends on how things shake out with our schedules. I know we, Chuck, Rod, and I are all very busy. We all have our own careers, um, but this is so majorly important to us. We're gonna we're gonna try to see as much of it um, the five week run as we possibly can. Yeah, hope I, I uh, as it is now. We're planning on on you know going out for that there for that opening week if 
if possible. But as Stephen said, you know, things come up in, yeah. in Hollywood. So we'll see. Now that you've got this up and running, it's being taken care of. You know, you got a show on uh, in New York. What's next? Uh, do you have anything in the pipes, uh, working together or separately? Uh, anything else in the musical theater world? Well, I know that Chuck and I, we, you know, we actually just made this film called That's Opportunity Knocking, and mm-hmm. we won 23 awards for it. So, and it's available on, and on it's available Amazon on Prime. Amazon, <laughs> and it's available on Amazon Prime. Yeah, you gotta get the plug in there. <laughs> That's right. Um, and so we're 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 working on several scripts for what might be our follow up, and I'm always writing. Um, so. And, and of course, you know, I know Rod has his acting career, so we're just continuing doing what we're doing. And, you know, the goal for me for this would be to have this picked up, you know, the green room, to have it picked up by Samuel French or Dramatist Play Service. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for it to reach a wider, uh, wider audience and be performed, uh, you know, like sort of like the Fantastics everywhere. Yeah. And, and what – so – I think, you know, after it just, it just depends on what happens in New York for what happens with um, what we do together or, or anything like that. So, you know, cause right now this is sort of our priority. It sure. kind of has to be. Uh, anything, uh, Rod, are you working on anything new for writing? Uh... <laughs> um, uh, unlike Steven, I'm a lazy writer. So <laughs> I, I have, I have I a, bu- a bunch of ideas and then I get paper and pen in hand and, and uh, I, I don't know, it doesn't come. But what I, I, I would like, I would like to write something about big history and big history, you know, starting from the Big Bang until now <laughs> and make it informative <laughs> and entertaining. So that. That's my goal, and I'm on page one. So, uh, <laughs> either that's the short answer to your question is no. I don't. I don't have <laughs> a plan. And and how about you, Chuck? Any? I know you, Stephen mentioned working together, but anything that you've been working on? Yeah. Well, um, Stephen and I've written a bunch of screenplays, uh, so we're, we 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 kind of have tried to sell those um, for years, and we've had you know it's Hollywood, so the little success here and there. But um, uh, but making this uh, movie, uh, and it was just a short film, but uh, it's uh, just getting it into a lot of festivals and winning a lot of awards really opened up our eyes that that things are things are are changing. Um, and similar to the the uh, you know Stephen Miller and Miller Coffin Productions putting up the green room, it's just made us believe that uh, um, that things can can happen and and that the more you take things in into your own control uh the happier you are i know a lot of stories of a lot of writers especially especially screenwriters here in in hollywood that um have their stuff produced and hate it i mean i I can't tell you how many stories steven and i can tell you about screenwriters that and i can't i can't tell you the names of the projects projects that you know uh, movies that you'd know and uh, you know the the writers just don't like how the movie comes out so the 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 way to circumvent that you know is to is to make your own stuff um, the thing is uh, Los Angeles is where we make movies and 
New York is where we make musicals. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, I, we, we talk all the time about, about moving to New York. Um, but you can't beat the weather in Los Angeles. <laughs> I get, Rod and I grew up in Chicago. And yes. there's so many Chicago winters. And mm -hmm. both of our families still live in Chicago. Yeah. So, um, so uh, it's hard to think about um, moving to New York because New York's a lot like Chicago. And those winters are no joke. Musical theater scene in, in Hollywood and L.A., have you noticed, have you, are you a part of it? And B, have you noticed a difference between, like, New York or even Chicago, which is a big hub uh, for theater and musicals? Well, Rod, Rod did a lot of acting in Chicago. Maybe you can address, like, the, the difference in, between Chicago and here. Well, uh, at a, it seems like L.A. is, is a little more, they want to be seen so that they can jump to TV or film. Mm -hmm. In Chicago, it seems like the, the stage is a, a destination in and of itself. They don't feel can like they're the, auditioning. Can I use the word destination? Oh, did I say destination? I didn't real, realize that I was using the word destination. <laughs> <laughs> Steven, you used manifest, you used destination. We're, we're manifesting our destiny. You, you guys are good. It's like you've worked together. <laughs> Sub subliminal subliminal advertising exactly <laughs> well you know what let's listen to one more song uh from the green room how about it's all about me perfect do you, anybody want to throw to that and and uh, tell us a little bit about it or let it one explain of, itself one of you guys set this up oh okay. uh, uh, go ahead you, Ron. Go ahead, you do it <laughs> go ahead oh my god okay devon uh has gone through her entire college career without getting the lead in a, a play, a musical. Mm -hmm. And it really um, disturbs her. And so she actually rationalizes why all the parts that she wa was given, which were not very good, how she made them her own. So that's the premise of It's, it's All About Me. Perfect. So we're going to listen to It's All About Me from the future hit The Green Room here on Be Our Guest on Musical Theater Radio. Welcome back to Be Our Guest here on Musical Theater Radio. It is Jean-Paul Jovanoff, your host once again. We've had a great hour conversation with uh, the creators of The Green Room, Stephen, Rod, and Chuck. Uh, again, Thank you to the three of you for coming on and, and talking to me and, and telling us a little bit more about your show, The Green Room. Thank well, you. Thanks for having us. Oh, no problem. Uh, you know what? I, I started the, the, the radio station to, um, well, not have to work, really. I just wanted to listen to musicals all day, <laughs> to be honest. But I also wanted to help promote uh, – new shows or less known shows like yours uh, because there's there's an audience out there that craves new material to to listen to to enjoy to take into auditions for producers and directors to hear and and i and i thank you for allowing me to uh promote your show and and play the songs because i i want people to learn about your your work well you know you have been a, a huge mouthpiece for our show and we are so grateful and thankful to you because you are giving people a slice of more than um you know 
uh, Heather's or Be More Chill or The Share Show, which those shows are great, but there's so many smaller shows that need an that need to find an audience, and you've really given us that. And we really appreciate it. It's been my pleasure. Uh, I've again, I've I've enjoyed listening to it because I personally I I love discovering new works and going. Oh, I love that you got to listen to here. You, everybody, listen to this. So so thank you for that. And, and now you get to tell us a little bit about how to uh, get tickets to the show, where it is, when it's happening. So who wants to take that? Who wants to run with that? Uh, Stephen, why don't you? Why don't you do that? <laughs> okay. Well, this, this, the show is going to open on September the twenty fifth, and it's at the American Theater of Actors. And to get tickets, you go to greenroom.browntickets.com. Once again, greenroom.browntickets.com. Uh, 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 greenroom.brownpapertickets. <laughs> oh my God! See, I messed it up. Oh my God! <laughs> well, the One good thing. I'm going to put it into the the uh, yes. into all the information <laughs> online. So yes, that's okay. Oh my god! Oh my god! I mess up. So it's greenroom.brownpapertickets.com. It's a mouthful. <laughs> so, and and when is it running from? And it it opens on September the 25th, and it runs for five weeks, and it's going to be Wednesday through Sunday, and all the times are are on the um, brown. Brownpapertickets.com. <laughs> and and what's the theater? Theater is American Theaters of Actors. Awesome. So yeah, I'm gonna put all that up on my uh, our website and our social media. I've I've been throwing it out there for social media anyways. And a uh, little bit later in uh, maybe August. Yeah. Well, it's almost August. Wow. I'll, I'll have that I on know. a notification, sending it out on my social media so everybody's reminded. Well, if you're in New York check out this show and how to do all that stuff. So, And probably, probably worth saying that, the, that it's within the American Theater of Actors. There are four theaters, and this is in specifically oh. the Sargent Theater. So whether you see the Sargent Theater or American Theater of Actors, that's our show. Perfect. And we will do that. So when I go down there, I'm going to be confused, but I will figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go to, or I'll I'll see a bunch of great shows. <laughs> down there. No, it's really easy because in the lobby they have a billboard and it tells you where to go. So okay. it's not confusing at all. We thought it it's would great, be, but it wasn't. It's a great area. It's Fifty uh, Fourth Street, right near where Studio Fifty Four used to be. Before I let you guys go, I what I do is I ask all my interviews my five questions. Now there's no right. Or wrong answers, but there are wrong answers, just to let you know. Okay. <laughs> so you will know which ones are wrong. Um, so usually this gets drawn out into big discussions, but there's three of you, so we'll try not to, but um, you know, it probably will. Anyways, <laughs> for each of the five questions. Okay. So question number one, and each of you can answer with these questions. Question number one Sondheim or Weber? Sondheim. 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 Yeah. Right. Uh, I, um, my, my pretty, my, my favorite musical that m means everything to me is Sunday in the Park with George. Very so, nice. Yeah. Just got to be Sondheim. Well, was this uh, best composer or will you want to sleep with? Uh, that's <laughs> truly up to you. <laughs> that's why I leave it open-ended. <laughs> <Whatever. Yeah. laughs> It, it okay. was well, rather ladder. I'm going to change my vote to Weber. But. <laughs> uh. 
<laughs> for this one, there is no right or wrong answer. It's more preference than anything because I it, it's getting split 50-50 a lot of the time. Yeah, I'm sure. Because, you know, let's be honest, they are completely different and one writes music and l- lyrics, the other just writes music. So, so thank you. But Sondheim is a good answer. And, and Sunday in the Park show, great show. Great show. Uh, but, but probably my second favorite is Jesus Christ Superstar. So, you know, there you go. That's what we're There you are. <laughs> and <laughs> I love Evita. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. There's so many great shows by the two of them that, you know, I could just play a whole day of just their cast recordings of their shows. All right. So question number two. This, the show that you saw that was either your favorite or your most influential on stage. Runaways. That is um, done so runaways. Sorry, runaways. That's not done a lot, is it? I, I, I've, no. Yeah, I'm trying to think if I've ever seen any company put it on. I've got the cast album. I got to add that to my uh, thing at some point. Yeah, I, I got to go with Les Mis. Ah, can't go wrong with Les Mis. Yeah, I cry, cry, I, I cry. Just uh, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's the way. The dying scene, it's the way it should be. It, it should be that way when you pass away, recapping your life in front of a, uh, someone you love. Yeah. And then let them know that the, like, the torch has passed. Nice. So. And Chuck? You know, I got to say, Jesus Christ Superstar, even though it was really not the seeing of the show, but that was the soundtrack that I got a hold of uh, somehow, I think I bought it at a. I, I, I think I think I just found it at the, around the house somewhere, and I listened to it over and over and over and over before I knew. This is what, when I was in junior high. Before I knew what a musical was, mm-hmm. um, and the reason I would say it's the most influential is because, um, even though I just said sometime to the last question, yeah. Weber uses so many different techniques, especially different time signatures in that show. And I love using different time signatures. And I don't, people, I don't think people do that enough. No. And when they do it, I don't think they, they do it in the way that Weber did it, which is to say they don't sound weird. The only people I know that, that have really landed crazy time signatures uh, without them sounding really, with, with them sounding still like hit songs are Andrew Lloyd, Andrew Lloyd Weber and Lennon McCartney. Uh, and and I strive for that. I always strive to to try to do things like that in my show. So that's why I would say it's the most influential. Cool. As far as far this is Rod. As far as Jesus Christ Superstar, I remember when I got that album. I I got it by joining Columbia Record Club. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I, I got it. I got it for a penny, or maybe two cents, because it was a double. It was a double album, and I got oh. it on cassette. Okay, I was going to ask cassette or CD. Yeah. <laughs> I got it on cassette and it was a double because, you know, two, you know, two records and <laughs> I, it, it, it was fragile because it was so big and it, and it, the, the tape recorder ate it after years, oh, years no. of playing. and then I, and, and then I, you know, I tried to resurrect it and there'd be certain times when the, you'd hear that crumpled up section of the tape, but I kept playing it until it snapped and, and, and died. <laughs> And there was no re- resurrection for, for that. <laughs> oh, Columbia House. I forgot about oh, that. Yes. Yes. Rod, are you still on their list? You never get off of them. <laughs> as, as Silver Simpson said, 
they charged me a penny and then they jacked up the price. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So question number three. Jukebox musicals, good or bad? Bad. Bad. <laughs> I'll take that one first. Bad. The reason, uh, the reason that I say that is because uh, we have entered a, a period. I'm sorry. I should let everybody else at least <laughs> ring in on that before I, before I babble. Roz, sure. what's your... No, go, go, go. Okay. Go, man, go. So, so the, the reason is that in, in, the, in the golden age of musicals, People wrote great songs and put them into musicals. Mm -hmm. They wrote musicals and they needed to put music into the musicals and they wrote a great song to go in there. That is what My Fair Lady is. That is what Frank Lesser did with Guys and Dolls. That's what uh, Lerner and Lowe did with Camelot or, or any of their shows. Um, uh, I, I, that's what Meredith Wilson did with... Um, uh, with Music Man, um, Oliver, Lionel Bart, um, any of those musicals that I just mentioned, you can think of, think of three or four or five or seven songs that are songs. They are great songs. So that's what musical writers should still be doing. And because musical writers have become so esoteric and stopped doing that, and, and because you go to musicals now and, and you leave and you go, that was a great musical, but I can't think of any of the songs I just heard. Mm -hmm. Because of that, the producers start to string together songs that everybody knows, and it's just a cheap way of doing it because those songs really don't move the pot, plot forward. People only like them because they are recognize the songs. So... Uh, that's why I think they're bad because they they um, take up space on Broadway that uh, other writers like me <laughs> no, that, no that, that shows that shows um, in which uh, that musicals could be uh, that that have new songs and, and new statements to make. So I, I'm going to say I'm going to say bad, but not as bad as 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 Chuckers Stephen Fink. <laughs> <You know, laughs> well. You know, every once in a while, it's nice to come back to something that's comfortable and easy. But, uh, you know, we can't be afraid to, to try something new. Stephen, you want to add? I say bad because it's, it's, it's cheap. It's, it's, mm -hmm. the, the work has already been done. Um, and you're just putting, you're just writing a plot, a thin plot uh, that may have some characters in it, may have some definition. Uh, and just strung together with a bunch of pop songs. And it's also an, a way for, you know, like someone like Cher to get richer. Yeah. And, and the producers just don't really have to do much. And the writers, you know, the, the music writers, there's no room for music writers. You know, I was doing jukebox musicals when I was 13 and writing musicals about with the Living Newton-John song. So, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's, it's, I don't think it's, it's, an, it's an evolution of art. I think it's a, a sort of a, a tourist trap thing yeah. that Broadway's come up with. And it's sort of like sequels and prequels to movies out here in Hollywood. It just kind of cheapens everything that so many composers have worked really, really hard to define their business and their, their skills. Good answers from all of you. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Question number four. Musicals from movies, good or lazy? Um, I'll, I'll take it late. I, I, I think it's, it's lazy again. Uh, 
you know, we, we can't be afraid of the, the original. And I, you know, someone does the numbers and there's a following for the movie uh, or, or, or vice versa. And, you know, it's going to translate into box office revenue or for revenue for the movie. So, yeah. I, I agree with that. Uh, I think it's lazy. Um, I don't think they do it because they are in love with the plot of Big or, you know, whatever yeah. musical it is. I think they only are doing it because the producers are trying to get a bite of a surety that they will sell the movie. The same thing happens in Hollywood constantly. Uh, we, 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 they're, they're remaking, I don't even want to criticize anyone, but they're remaking everything now. Yeah. They're not, the remake is not going to be as good. Uh, why are they doing it? They're doing it because they know that, that w whatever they are doing uh, will have built in commercial appeal and they won't have to do the homework of trying to promote it. That's lazy. I would like, I would like to title Chuck's rant as <coughs> the bite of, oh, what was it now? <laughs> what, what did you say? The bite of a surety. That's it. The bite of a surety. <laughs> no. Well, I would say it's lazy. And I, the reason I say it's lazy is the same reason that Chuck and Rod said it's lazy is because you're just appealing to a, a base audience, a, a, um, a, an audience that doesn't want to think and, uh, and producers who don't want to think and don't, you know, and a lot of that, um, I'll go on a limb here, is, you know, tied to studio money tied to Hollywood money mm -hmm. and they know that they're going to be making, you know, they're going to be selling the DVDs in the lobby and, you know, and it's, it's all a big marketing thing. And, and it really cripples the manifest destiny of <laughs> new composers and new art getting out there. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's like, you know, not to badmouth Bette Midler, but when she won her Tony for hello, Dolly, there were, four women who were in competition with her who were not movie stars who mm. had worked their whole lives on Broadway and that was their only chance. And Bette yeah. Midler comes sweeping in because she's a movie star and she takes the prize. So it's, it's yeah. sort of like that same thing. It's kind of lazy. Cool. I'll, I'll, I do want to make one exception. Uh, yeah. There's a new hit off Broadway called uh, The Green Room. I'm like, well, that's a baby from movie. I'm all on board for that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> nice. It's always an exception to the rule. I totally understand. Yeah. <laughs> no, but no. if they paid me to make one of those, to rewrite a book of a movie, I would do it in a minute. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true of all. I know. I yeah. know. I hate it, but oh, you pay me. I would, <laughs> I would How much? I'll do it for 59 seconds, and I'll charge less than Stephen Foster. <laughs> I'll do it for I'll do it for one cent, like the Columbia Record House. Nice. <laughs> well, just just a riff on the, the. I know we all think it's lazy, but I was doing an interview, and they met. I can't remember who it was. They were saying that back in the day, you know, when musicals were first beginning, they took plays and books and did the same thing. Could movies just be the the next stage of that because if we take um pride and prejudice turn it into a musical 
or Pygmalion into My Fair Lady, is that so different from taking Back to the Future and turning it into a musical? I'm not saying right or wrong, I'm just throwing that out there. Well, I, th I think if it's based on literature, it's asking more of the audience, i.e. to read it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I, and over time, we're asking less and less of America to read. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I don't think you can, uh, I, don't, I don't mean to sound like a professor from some stodgy college, but <laughs> I don't think you can compare George Bernard Shaw's Pygmalion to the script of Back to the Future. <laughs> you, I mean, the source material of, of uh, My Fair Lady was, was brilliant. Um, uh, Pygmalion is, is one of the best plays ever written. Mm -hmm. um, Guys and Dolls is based on Damon Runyon's stories. So that's not like a movie. Yeah. That it, it's based on those stories because, uh, here's, here's what I would say would be the difference. Um, he, uh, Frank Lester wrote Guys and Dolls because he was in love with Damon Runyon's stories. Um, they wrote, uh, Lerner and Lowe wrote My Fair Lady, I think, <laughs> um, because yeah. they were in love with Pygmalion, because they loved the source material. And mm -hmm. I don't think that's how it happens now. I think yeah. some corporate uh, executive looks down a list of what properties they own and uh, they, they do um, spreadsheets of how much money they can expect <laughs> to make and they know that if it has a certain name recognition, they will sell X number of tickets right out of the gate. Um, I think that's how those decisions are made, not on the basis of how great the source material is, but how famous it is. Yeah. Yeah. Stephen, Stephen and I have add, a I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I just want to add that you know the 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 movie The Color Purple mm -hmm. was based on the book. Yeah. And the movie of The Color Purple is brilliant. And we went to see the musical of it and I was sitting there going, "Why?" <laughs> Me too. Why 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 did why does she need a song? She doesn't need a song. The the movie is her song, you know. Um, so I just felt like it was this sort of, like Chuck was saying, people just corporate corporations just trying to make make more money off of uh, off of a of a product of a a known entity. You know, Oprah Oprah could have um, retooled anything. She has the power to do anything and the money and the resources. But she chose the color purple, and she's like, "Oh well, because it's a story that's meaning to my heart." I don't think so. I think it was because she wanted to make a buck. <laughs> well, to be honest, unfortunately, <laughs> Pandora's box is open, and I just close it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think you all have the right answers, anyways. <laughs> so <laughs> now, hey, you, just just to clarify, what? just to clarify, we're like four for four. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, this is the, the important, this is the question number five that negates all the other ones, if you get it wrong, uh, I'll let you know. So, Drum roll. Exactly. Question number five, food in the theater, yes or no? <laughs> no. No. Can we not, can we not eat for an hour, <laughs> hour and a half? Is that, is that possible in our culture? Anymore? I don't think so, unfortunately. <laughs> I say, I say no to food, yes to drugs and alcohol. 
Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> to get through some shows, you need both. Okay. <laughs> uh, only edibles. Okay. <laughs> but you can eat those before. You don't have to right. do them. Right. Okay. Put them in your, you put them in your pocket. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, no food. No, yeah, no food. No food or drink in the theater. For, respect Actually, the actors. Respect the actors. Yeah. 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 No, and... Go on. Or, or it can be like 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 nudity. It has to be tasteful and it has to move the plot along. <laughs> so if both of those are are, are, are required, then I'm for it. Those are the correct answers, just to let you know. <laughs> this is like the dating game exactly. or the newlywed game. <laughs> There's a match. <laughs> Where's my washer and dryer? <laughs> And I have not had an interview yet that said, uh, yes, food is a good idea. So, oh, yeah. good. Of course, you good. wouldn't have heard it because if they had said yes, I wouldn't want to talk to them anyways. So. That's right. <laughs> Cut them off. Exactly. So. <laughs> so that is my five questions to the three of you. Uh, yeah, you got them perfect. Whatever Woo! the answers were. <laughs> so. Wow. Okay. And now my question, who, who is your favorite green room creator? <laughs> um, I'm gonna go with uh, let's see, uh, David Fletcher. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice work. Yeah, nice I got. Work. <laughs> uh, I'm not an you, idiot. I know what I'm is, doing. <laughs> that is the correct answer. <laughs> thank you so much to the three of you uh, for, hey, for you. coming on and talking. Thank you. Today. Thank oh. you. I'm looking forward to going down to see the show in October and hopefully our, our times will cross and we'll all be there at the same time. And I'd love to meet you all uh, in person, catch a drink. Absolutely. Um, yeah. That would Likewise. Be fantastic. Absolutely. All right. So this was uh, be our guest. We were talking with the creators of the green room. I hope you all enjoyed yourself listening in and laughing and learning about manifest destiny with us all here yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so please tune in next week we have no idea what kind of history lessons we're going to get but we're going to have some more great uh people to talk to about their love their life in musical theater my name is jean paul yovanoff tune in again next week for be our guest on musical theater radio bye-bye we love supporting and promoting the creators of musical theater throughout the world and we would love to have your support as well Go to musicaltheaterradio.com and click on the Become a Patron button because a supportive community is a strong community.